You're listening to KFI AM 640 On Demand. Joe, uh, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, right, Joe. What's going on? I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible talk about, you know, how do you go about forgiving someone for you feel like they're living a whole lie? I mean, my, my question to you is that I've got a 17-year-old daughter, okay? Mm-hmm. And where I'm living, uh, she decides that she's grown and that she wants to run off. Okay, I don't have a problem with people growing up and leaving the house. Sure. I've got a problem with when I go to clean her bedroom and how she's doing it. Um, I find uh, liquor bottles in her room. Uh, I found uh, a diary that talks about having all these different affairs with all these boys that she's keeping notes of. Uh, Because of that, I can't even bring myself to talk to the kid. And, you know, I just don't know her. I mean, how do I go about dealing with that? Well, there you you still have to be the example. Either you trust the tools that you gave her, or you don't. Do you feel like you you gave her your best as you raised her? Yeah, but I, I yeah, but feel what? like that. Well, I just feel that that everything that you know that she's alive. I mean, that I don't even know her. Okay. So, well, mean, there's so there, you, but there's there's things that you rebelled against, and there's things that you did. As well, as a young person, and there was, uh, it didn't mean that you know throw the baby out with the bathwater. But can I can I can I say something? I of mean, course. To, to uh, the the argument to that is is not really uh, because I know everybody says this, but in reality, I was a good kid. I never did any of that stuff. And in your parents, your parents would say uh, amen to that. Yes, they would. And okay, the good. Why they would is because this. Uh, I. Ever since I was nine years old, I wanted to be a pastor. That's all I ever did is dream, read, and eat Bible. Um, but this situation just throws me for a loop. Okay, well then, do you feel that you're a bad parent? Yes, I do. Okay, then there, there's there's the flaw. Hmm. That you didn't give her the tools. Maybe, uh, maybe your diet was a little too condensed if you were eating, sleeping, and drinking the Bible. So it's basically my fault. No. She's a free creature of free will. What I want you to re- receive is because you're the one calling is something that we can we can do with you because she's not calling. She doesn't want help or doesn't care. Oh, no, she but, doesn't. The only time she ever calls is when, you know, she wants to curse at her mother or, or she wants something, you know, or, or something. And I just really, be honest with you, I don't know how to deal with it. I can't even, I can't even talk to the kid. Well, you can, you can forgive and not re- reconcile. I mean, you can forgive her because I don't want it to eat away at you. It's not going to help you to have this festering in you. You've got to trust that you gave her the best tools you can. And if and if there's a delayed reaction to the, the tools that you've given her and she's not receiving them now, uh, then she'll receive them later, uh, you know, uh, heaven willing. But you, you, you know, maybe the fact that you were strict or maybe that, you know, when people – are forced certain things they you know uh, down their throat they tend to throw up so you don't know what she's going through you can sit her down and you can you can find out if it has to do with you say i'm just curious this is this is not the way i raised you and I, and and if i failed you i want to know to make you know, me a better person i understand that jesus but my thing is this is that you know i don't know how you would have dealt with it because i on the other hand you know she moved 1500 miles away from me and now she's living with some boys, and, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know that I would have did anything different. Joe, I mean, every, me every, 
Joe, every single one of my children went astray. Every single one of them. Boy. Every... Well, I do appreciate your time, and I, I, I'm trying to deal with this. And, I, and you are. I know that, but don't, that... don't beat her up for being individual. You know, I gave people free will, and there, some of them are going to use it in the wrong way. And you, all you have to do, but if you, if you become an introvert, if you reject her, now I'm not saying you condone what she's doing. I'm not saying you give her a platform to do it. I'm not saying you give her the tools to do it. But if you cut off the only door to healthy living in her life, then you give her to the wolves. So, and, and that it sometimes is, is the right thing to do, but it's a rare exception. So uh, you you have to continue, Joe, with your wife, the strength of you two as her parents. Be good parents. Be strong. Remind her that you love her. Re- remind her that the, that your house is a sanctuary, but that the reason why you, you've, you've taught her not to do those things or the reason why you tried to steer her away from those things was for her own protection, not to be a killjoy, and that parents are human too, and you only want what's best for her. Um, but if she makes those decisions, if God respects her to make those uh, enough to make those decisions, you have to as well, as hard as it is for a parent, Joe. But the fact that you'd pick up the phone and call shows you care, shows that she's important. Remove that before it becomes sin to you, though. Don't let don't harbor that anger towards her. Hate the things that she's doing, but do not hate her. I know that saying is is often used and confused as far as, you know, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. And people go, how can you separate the two? Well, God did it. So can you. You can find uh, a way to sh- to continue to guide her through your actions and your actions of love. First Peter 3.15 says that people will ask you questions about the hope that lies within you because of the way you live. You live a certain way, people are going to look at you and say, well, how can you deal with that? And she knows what she's doing is wrong. She's not stupid. She's rebellious. There's a difference. So she's going to wonder, how can you still love her? Because maybe she has issues with herself. How can you still love her when she's when she doesn't even love herself, when she's going through her own issues? And that's going to be an important lesson and tool for her. But you, you can't just want to control her because that's not godly either. Troy, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Good morning. How are you today? I am well, Troy. How can I help you? Well, my situation is is that I have a father that he uh, confesses to be a Christian, and which I am as well. Mm-hmm. But for as long as I've known him, he's he's been addicted to alcohol and drugs and to date he is estranged from the four sons he has left and i'm the only one that has tried to reach out to him and i've I've tried to say everything that i could say to get him to see how the, the living the life that he lives is contrary to what it means to be a christian Okay, so when you point and, something out to him, how does he respond? Uh, not very well at all. Uh, he At different times, he flips out and calls me every name that he can think of. And 
other times he just uh he comes back with other bible verses and oh yeah that that he knows he already knows it all and that I don't need to uh preach to him but I could be like my other brothers and just disavow him and never talk to him again but the Christian in me, and I, I, I feel a strong urge to reach him at some level, at some point. But it's just like nothing that I have said or done has, has worked at all and has only had the totally opposite effect. Yeah, you, you probably know the verse well. Mark 6, 4, uh, I said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. So even if you have good words for people and things that are helpful to them, in your own home, no one listens. You could, you could uh, go out somewhere and preach on a, on a corner, and people just come to Christ in hordes and then go home, and no one listens to you. So it is really difficult to be in a family situation and have someone listen to you. The, the likelihood of it coming from you is slim to none, but it doesn't mean that it's not a righteous endeavor to continue to be an example. Uh, I, there's no trickery or, ma or magic to it. It's about honesty and persistence. It's about love and care, not, not trying to teach him, but show him uh, being, uh, being a good person, keeping those, things out of your life doing something that shows him that you care and and you can ask him point blank you can say you know if i was living this life if i was doing these things if the roles were reverse would you care about me would you would you want me to stop would you ask me what would you do and tell him say i will do exactly what you tell me to do and if he's well, the relationship that I've had with him, there, there was a time where I was right there in it with him. And um, I, I wouldn't say it's a spiritual awakening because I've always had you in my life. But there were times in my life where I ignored you. And I, I went on a path of basically did what I wanted when I wanted. And it didn't really take any sudden impact of anything to happen to bring me back uh i went through treatment um and since i totally have been born again and repented and have lived my life towards your way and i have witnessed to him the miracles that have happened in my life and with my wife and and my children and the life that we have today are a direct response of listening to God and following his will for our lives. Okay, so so okay. so let, let and that and and praise God. That is wonderful. So what did your dad have to tell you to make you do that? My father didn't tell me anything. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So God still spoke to you, right? Yes. God loved you through the whole thing. Yes then why aren't you trusting God to do that with your dad? I never thought of it like that.
be an example. Thank you. Be strong. He sees everything that's going on. He's not a stupid man. And he sees and he knows that God loves him. He is distant from God. You're absolutely right. There is nothing you said that is incorrect. You're absolutely right about everything you said. You're absolutely right as to what he needs to do. You're absolutely right about all of that, but it doesn't matter. What matters is where his heart is. And sadly, he may reject God, God's hand throughout the entirety of the process, and it may end poorly. But it doesn't have to, and it didn't with you. And God reached out to you over and over again, and eventually you heard. It didn't come necessarily from a person, and it didn't come from him. It came from your relationship with God, that even when it was holding on by a thread, it was still there. And God loves him more than you ever could, and vice versa. And he will reach out to him, and you need to trust that. Thank you. You're welcome. Go in peace, and I'm very proud of you. What a wonderful story. Steve, Stephen, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hey, Jesus, how are you? I am good, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you very much. Good. I just had a, a really quick question about, uh, about laws that are made by, by holy people, or, or supposedly holy people, and how we're supposed to integrate them integrate them to our lives, like like early church pope, father type stuff, or exactly like okay. the pope making up the seven deadly sins, or, or Dante's version of hell and the inferno. Strangely not, enough, Dante in the Divine Comedy they actually regurgitate the same seven deadly sins. Exactly. You know, but pro- are they listed anywhere in the Bible? Is is my question? Well, here's the thing. Um, there's there's a difference between is it in the Bible and is the truth the truth. I mean, there are things, there are things that are true that aren't in scripture, but they're still true. So, um, as far as them being the seven deadly sins, no, uh, it, it gets confusing because people think, well, first, are they truly deadly? Does that mean that you, these are unpardonable sins? No, there's only one unpardonable sin in scripture. And that's referred to as blasphemy of the Holy spirit. And essentially that's rejecting God unto death. So they so it's a misnomer that they're deadly sins in that sense. However, Scripture talks uh, about uh, in uh, Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen. It says, and you've probably heard this a dozen times. Um, there are six things the Lord hates: seven that are detestable to Him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. But that's not the seven deadly sins. No. So, it, it, you know, vaguely some of them might fit in. The interesting thing is there, is nev- there isn't a list anywhere in Scripture of those seven deadly sins being referred to as the seven deadly sins. Absolutely right. But every sin, just about every sin that you could commit, falls into one of those seven. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, they're true. <laughs> it was just, just, here's here's my here's my thought though. I mean, wouldn't we be in a constant cycle of of sinning and then an absolution? Would we have to go through the whole process if we commit one of these sins or, or how so something to that effect? I'm just uh, it's it's just an actual if if we go out and we we tell a lie. I'm not I'm not saying that uh that it, it's it's going to happen. But let's say we do something that's mm-hmm. 
that's wrong. And then we go and absolve ourselves and we don't learn from and we do it again. We'd be in a constant cycle of uh, doing this over yes. and over and over again. Yes. As a matter of fact, some of the early church was. If you read, uh, you know, uh, some of the epistles, you'll mm-hmm. find that some of the concerns of uh, the apostles at the time were identical to things that go on today. And and much of it ties into that concept of, wait a second, so as a Christian, you've got like a license to sin. You just got to say sorry after every time. Exactly. And, and uh, no, that would be a huge problem because the, the, the concern would be that it's now it stops being the original sin that you're practicing, whether it's lying or whatever, and now it becomes rebellion. So if you are constantly in, in that state, then you start falling into feet that are quick to rush into evil mm-hmm. and a man who stirs up dissension amongst his brother and a false witness who pours out lies that are different from just lying because lying is going to occur. You're going to tell lies and that's part of your sin nature. You're going, mm-hmm. you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to sin in this life. You're not going to stop sinning ever in this life, but sure. your desire is to seek uh, a path that isn't filled with uh, sin. So in that process, you are constantly pointing, you know, pointing to true north, but yeah. your compass is going to, you know, go off. If you are in a state of rebellion, it's like a parent. I mean, if if a kid crashes the car, uh, the parent goes, you know, there's the accidents happen. You're okay. The other person's okay. It's fine. Maybe they'll get get them another car. But if the person continues to crash the car, they probably don't care about the parents, nor do they respect them, nor do they care about the actual car itself or the uh, importance of uh, physical goods and what it takes to actually create them and all of these things. And uh, you would consider them to be in a state of rebellion, and it's not—it's no longer a state of love. If you are in that place, mm-hmm. then you find it, you kind of fall into that uh, Hebrews 6-4 context of, uh, somebody who never really came to an understanding or having a true relationship with God. You just profess it with your mouth. You and, just say it, but don't actually yeah, believe it. Yeah, you don't actually, you haven't put it into place, and therefore it says in, in Scripture in that context, if you fall away, you will never come back, because you were never there. And okay. so, you know, you kind of, you know, you can't people... can't obtain what you never had. Sure, there are people, you know, in your younger days, and you meet somebody, and you fall in love, and you think you're in love, mm-hmm. and you may have some of the the emotional, uh, you know, bric-a-brac of love, but it's not truly, uh, you know, unconditional. This kind of, uh, as as far as humans can do, this this kind of um, understanding of one another. Then, if you get into a bad relationship and it falls apart, there's a lot of young people that feel like I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to get in that relationship because it it doesn't work. Because they've never experienced it. So those that kind of have partial relationships with God are the hardest ones to bring back because they always felt like they were in it knee deep. So uh, that's what Scripture talks about. Now, as far as people that um, are in love with God and seeking God's will and still sin, they, they f- it's not that you should flog yourself or you know consider yourself to be a horrible person. All sins have been paid for. Every sin you'll ever do has been paid for. It's a matter of understanding uh, who paid for it and the purpose and what took place on the cross and all of those things and being in that state of appreciation and the desire to always uh, wanting to please God and uh, find God's will and that type of thing. It's not about having some sort of, um, you know, get out of jail free card. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want. 
you, know, you go do whatever you want and then and go be absolved in the near. You're free to do it again. So. Yeah, that's just not the way it's going to work. If you put God through through the test like that, it says, do not test your Lord God. If you put God to the test like that and make him jump through hoops, <laughs> then then it comes down to the point of you not caring about God to begin with and the relationship is, is broken. So it's kind of a vicious circle there that, yes, you uh, through true repentance, the word repentance meaning to turn away from, uh, that if you're not truly trying to turn away from it, then you're not in a state of repentance, and therefore you haven't received uh, God in the first place. Well, thank you very much for all your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, it was a very good question. It, it, there, a lot of things happen like that, uh, Stephen. You'll you'll get a lot of things that kind of are taken from Scripture. And the early church fathers, you know, popes and uh, Protestants alike, uh, they they condensed a lot of things in Scripture into ways that were palatable or... Uh, easily understood because there wasn't necessarily a lot of literacy. So a lot of people didn't read. And, you know, the Catholic Church takes a lot of hit for this, too, because of uh, statues and imagery uh, imagery in the, the buildings. A lot of that stems from people not being able to read the desire of the early church to teach using symbols and and images uh, now, some people may argue that it's got some uh, parts of the church have gone too far and it becomes idolatry or what have you. I'm saying that in its uh, earliest stages, uh, the desire was to help people understand and to learn uh, principles in Scripture by using you know, physical uh, imagery uh, to encapsulate an entire thought into a picture. And uh, Protestants and Catholics alike did those types of things where they condensed teachings or understandings uh, you know, even like the sinner's prayer or something like that, which is really scattered throughout the entirety of the New Testament, not just one particular scripture to help people understand. And the seven deadly sins kind of is that cat falls into that category. You're not going to find that particular list in scripture as a list per se, but certainly are, is that truth or the truths about those seven deadly sins uh, talked about in scripture? Yes. Are they deadly because uh, they, you cannot be saved from them, or God did not uh, die on the cross, and when I was nailed there and bled for you, uh, didn't pay for them? No, that's silly. That's, they're, they're not uh, deadly in that sense. They're deadly in the sense that they will pull you away from God if you continue in a path um, that is lined with them. Brian, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Yes, how you doing, Jesus? I am well, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I've been struggling with alcoholism for the, about the last the five, six years of my life. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And, thank you. And I'm doing the best I can to work through it. I've gone through AA groups uh, where they told me to find a higher power. I've tried going through my church groups, which is uh, Celebrate Recovery. We try to do that portion of it. And I've even tried to go through medical detox and everything else. And and I'm finding abilities to get myself through some time. But the thing that keeps dragging me down, in my opinion, is I don't find forgiveness. And I'm having a trouble connecting with Jesus and God, who could potentially help me, in, in my opinion, help me kind of forgive myself for everything that I may have done bad um, during my struggle. So how do I try to rebuild that connection when I know I have let God down and my family down and everybody else down? Your relationship with God is not based on how bad you are, but how good God is. So when you limit God and you say, okay, 
I know God is gracious. God is all-knowing. God died on the cross prior to me ever doing any sin. God knew every sin I was going to do. Um, if you look at it in the reverse, on not how bad you were, but how great God is, and how big and how good God is, then things come into focus. When you start, if you start a, a spiritual journey solely by looking at yourself, you're still making yourself the God of your faith. You yeah. are not God. You are going to make mistakes. In scripture, it's very clear that a righteous man is not a man that doesn't fall, but a man who falls seven times and seven times gets up. The key, yeah. the key is that you're getting up. You can't, you can't outdo God. No. You, you don't have God. Uh, you don't have me on the cross going. Uh, I died. I died for all sins. Well, not this guy's, because those are just too heavy for me to take. Yeah. And, hey, go ahead. Does that does that kind of also come into effect? Because I, I that that that's just home and that hits hard. That knowing that I I started to make that connection, I start to feel back together, but somehow I find myself back in that liquor store. I find myself buying that bottle, and I find myself doing that same effect again. Uh, will Will you see that as a slap in your face? Because I I under I I try to understand that. I try to live that, but yet I repeat that same bad behavior that is against your wishes for me. Well, you're not dealing with rebellion in the same way. Your body is, you know, what's interesting is the word for sorcery that's translated into sorcery in scripture from the Greek is pharmakia. Now, yeah. pharmakia sounds like the word pharmacy. Yeah. And the reason why it sounds that way is that's where you get the word pharmacy. Is sorcery in scripture is talking about drugs mostly. People yeah. that were using drugs for mystic reasons. So oh. you are under the influence of something in your life uh, that you are battling with. It is not only a spiritual battle, it's a physical battle. It's an addictive battle. And so you can't fight it only on one front. You have to, you know how you became an alcoholic? You became an alcoholic uh, one drink at a time. Yeah. And then one drink became six drinks and six drinks became 12 drinks, and you kept doing that. And, and re the reversing of that process is, is difficult. It's, e it's always easier to gain weight than it is to lose it, right? Yeah. So now you're, you're, you're reversing that process at least one drink at a time. And so I'm not asking you even to look at this as if you, you've got to stop. It's more like a chisel away at it. And say today, I, I, I'm uh, today. I'm not going to drink. Maybe tomorrow, and yeah. then when tomorrow comes, today I'm not going to drink. Maybe tomorrow. You're you're, yeah. you're you, slowly. You have to do that. But the, when you're not drinking, your mind is clearer to have a stronger relationship with God, a focused yeah. relationship with God. But don't beat yourself over it. The, the devil loves this. The devil loves it for you to beat yourself up. Because the yeah. more you beat yourself up, have you have you ever owed someone money, and yeah. You, yeah. And, and then and, and then a week becomes a month, and a month becomes a year, and then all of a sudden you don't want to see them anymore, because yeah. you're embarrassed yeah. by it. Well, yeah. you that, stop answering that phone call and do yeah. all that stuff. 
And yeah. it, it, maybe it's 20 bucks and you're going to throw away an entire relationship over 20 bucks instead of picking up the phone and going, I, I feel like a jerk. I never paid you back. I'm embarrassed. And um, let's uh, build a plan. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this to separate us. I, I cherish your friendship and, and it's gotten too bad too far. But people don't do that. They beat themselves up and then they run away from it. Now, the enemy knows this about humanity. So the enemy says, gosh, you've really, really done some horrible things. You've really hurt God. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't go around him right now. And that's a lie yeah. it's from the pit of hell. God wants to see you. God wants to hold you. God wants to kiss you and embrace you. And as you go through, you know, detox, as your body kicks this demon out and gets the chemical stuff out of your system and the, the habit break down the habit and God wants to be there with you in cold sweats in ugliness in sadness in depression all of that and the devil doesn't want you to know that because once you know that that's how you get better yeah that makes a lot of sense thank you you're welcome now now go apply it and know that God is sitting yeah. with you and God is holding you and God is, God wants you to kick this demon and every lie of the devil needs to be thrown back in the devil's face. And even if you each day don't drink to spite the devil, that's a victory. Every drink you don't take just to spite the devil is a victory for God. Find a program that works well for you, that makes sense to you. Apply that program. Know that God loves you, forgives you, and died on the cross for you before you ever did any of this knowing you would do all of it. And in that, have peace and strength, and God be with you. KFI AM 640, on demand.